Lord have mercy, look at how the time goes. And welcome everybody to this episode of the Coming Home Podcast with John Allen. I am your host, Trapped in Norway. And here I am, I'm about, my guest is laughing on the video feed here. Uh, he is a uh, young man in service of our country, United States Army Sergeant First Class, Rick Danette. How you doing, brother? Good, man. Glad to be on the podcast. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm glad to be doing this. Now, we have been uh, long distance friends chatting and whatnot on uh, social media for some years now. Yeah, it's been at least, uh, it's before, it's 2018, end of 2018, whenever you guys went to the... Uh, to the uh, North American Championships, yep. yes. Now go. that that was in 2016. Let's add a two. Let's was add two really? more years on wow. it. Two, 2016, yeah. Yeah, well, I was a drill sergeant then still. Yeah, you uh, <laughs> you had wow. me you had me rolling with some of those comments you had about what you're experiencing, <laughs> man. I love it. I love it. No, but yeah, it's it's, uh, it's fantastic to be talking to you here, and uh, I just want to start off by thanking you for doing this. Yeah. Um, tell people what your position in the army is. What tell people what you do there? I think this is exciting. Okay, so uh, my position right now is I am one of the uh, master fitness trainers at the first ever uh, tactical athlete performance center. Uh, the center was basically the idea and dream of uh, Major Donnie Bigham. You know him. I love um, that guy. Yeah. So. You know, and it's funny, he he briefed this plan probably as far back as 2012. He was my company commander uh, in one of my units, and we were on deployment. He was, you know, kind of pitching the idea of this. And, you know, to some of us, it was like, hey, man, that sounds like a really, really good idea. But knowing the Army and know how slow, how, how slow they are to... It's a big machine, uh, yeah. Yeah, you know, and, and the powers that be are always like, well, I didn't have that, so I don't need it. Right, um, right. And me and Major Bigham kept in contact. I was coming off the trail, uh, being a drill sergeant, and we ran into each other at a post-master fitness brief. And he basically asked me what I was doing, and he told me that he'd got the, the go-ahead to get this building open. He said he needs some help, and I was like, absolutely. Well, I tell you, that is the man right there, Donnie Bigham. Shout out yeah. to that brother. I met him in uh, the Virgin Islands. We were both on the U.S. National Powerlifting Team. Mm -hmm. And I, mm -hmm. I got to tell you, I knew right now. He's in the Army now, but he has a prior career in the U.S. Marines. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm a Marine as well, as some of my listeners right. know. And I knew that he was a Marine, or at least had been active duty at some point in the Marine Corps, just by the way he talked. He has a United States Marine Corps voice. Am I wrong? Yeah, no, not at all. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's funny. Uh, you know what? Um, we'd have special guests come, and, you know, we would be giving this tour of the Tap C, and he would do his spiel, and everybody kind of would, like, take yeah. a step back and, like, oh, man, like, what did we get ourselves into? He has, in your face. he has a very in-your-face, very intense demeanor. Yes. But behind that is a very intelligent man, a very kind oh, man. You know, we... Uh, a mastermind. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that guy. Love that guy. Mm -hmm. So that he headhunted you and brought you, you know, because Donnie is a world champion. Of course. Uh, so that he saw the talent and the capabilities that you have. That says something for what you do as well. That says something yeah. about your your capabilities. Um, so uh, Major Bigham had a... a, a hand and kind of molded me as an infantry squad leader so i mean we spent a lot of time together prior to this 
Oh, uh, okay. So you guys were actually yeah. oh, okay. You did duty together yeah. before this. Okay, yeah, I didn't know. Absolutely. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Yep. Yep. So he's kind of a mentor to you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you know, I'll tell you this. He tells a story to everybody uh, about how we met. So we get this new company commander. We heard he lifted. We heard he's in shape. My platoon at the time had uh, by far the most in shape group of men I've seen since I was in the you know the the Ranger Regiment. Okay. And he's coming down to see what we're doing for PT because he's heard the same thing about me and this squad leader uh, named uh, Andre Bermudez. Uh, and he comes down and me and the guys are like, Hey, spread out. Let's keep saluting him. Right. <laughs> so we're playing, we're playing a game with him. Right. Yeah. So he's like, well, that's cool. Let's do some more PT. So we get down and do push ups, and, you know, he was attempting to try to break us off, but we had the spirit and the heart to, to, you know, match him. You know what I mean? So we've, we've had a pretty good, uh, we had a pretty good relationship after that. Man, that's fantastic. I tell you, there's a, now I've been quite a few years out of the Marine Corps. I'm a little bit older. I'm a lot older than you. <laughs> I almost want to call you son, but I don't out of respect. <laughs> but um, but there is something about those relationships that you build when you're in military service. Um, right. I had a little bit of a taste of that as a police officer in the United States. Mm. Um, it's a special kind of bond. It's a special kind of friendship, and you're living it right now. You're yeah, it's, it. it's 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 forged through hardship, Absolutely. shared hardship. You, you bleed together. It it does yeah. it does something to you. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So this center that you work at, uh, the Tactical Athlete Performance Center, that is the only center of its kind in the U.S. Army. Correct. So it is the only center of its kind uh, for a lot of reasons. One, we have, I'll, and I'll have to send you some pictures. We have some of the best equipment that you can find. In the strength uh, and conditioning market, if you will, as far yeah. as equipment goes. Mm-hmm. Um, secondly, we are the only facility that is staffed by, uh, you know, our GS12s have uh, master's degrees and they've been at the collegiate uh, and special operations level. Okay. You know, other yeah. there are other facilities. There are other facilities on uh, on other installations that have a a big training facility feel uh-huh. feel. But they don't have the credentials for it. They also don't have uh, the green suitors that are working alongside the civilians to help translate I see. Uh, what's going on. Yeah, because they, I would imagine they have their schooling and all of their knowledge and all of their application on a civilian side of things. Mm-hmm. How, how mm-hmm. does that work to bleed into a military um, practical situation? In other words, so, in other words, how do they help teach you guys how to apply this in wartime conditions or to prepare soldiers for wartime conditions? So for for me, I, I think it translates well because both of our coaches have had uh, uh, strength coaching time with football teams. Okay. And for me, if we're talking tactical athlete, I need a, a person that can get up, get down really quick, move around with load, uh, and you know, and and be durable enough to take impact uh, when it's there. Okay. Right, so yeah. we, what do, what do football players train? They train a lot of the big three. There you go. Yeah, the power movements. Yeah. Right, right. They teach them to be explosive in those squat, right. bench, and deadlift movements. And those movements, uh, you know, I'm not in the military anymore, but in my practical life as a civilian, that stuff is very applicable. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I can, and I tell this to everybody, the Army physical fitness test 
that is going away was push-ups, sit-ups, two-mile run. Mm-hmm. And I told people all the time, I've never push-up, sit-up, and two-mile run my way out of a firefight yeah. or up a mountain in Afghanistan. But I can tell you every time that I took a step up a mountain, it was like doing a single leg lunge or squat. Uh, or some kind of hinging motion. So all of those things are applicable. So the so the fitness test is going from uh, the two mile run, the push up, and the sit up thing, over to what? What is the new army uh, physical the fitness test look like? Army combat uh, fitness test is a three rep maximum deadlift. Uh, it is a standing power throw with a ten pound medicine ball. It is. Uh, a variation of push-ups that they haven't decided on, but it's going to be some kind of hand release or T push-up. Okay. Uh, it's an event called the Sprint Drag Carry, where you have a 90-pound uh, sled that you'll you'll drag 25 meters and back. You'll pick up a set of kettlebells and, and run them there and back. You'll do a couple sprints. And you'll do some side lateral stuff. Then you'll do uh, the leg tuck, which is basically hanging from a bar, dead hang, slight flexion in the elbows, uh, touching knees to your elbows. And then the two-mile run. The Army couldn't let the two-mile run go because the Marines will have a three-mile run, so we got to keep up. Hurrah, hurrah. <laughs> <laughs> we got to try and beat each other at everything, don't we? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, you, the American Army just went to a 22-week infantry uh, OSIP program where you guys were doing, what, 12 weeks of basic and then 11 or 12 weeks of infantry school or something like that, or whatever your schooling was at uh-huh. the time. So we're finally graduating to that. Okay, interesting. Yeah, the army's changing rapidly right it's now. It's a new army. Let me let yeah, me ask absolutely. you for let me ask you for the deadlift. Are, are they looking at um, uh, three reps according to body weight? Is it a certain percentage of body weight, or how's this? So you want my honest answer? Give me the honest answer. <laughs> All right. So it, it is not a body weight deadlift. <laughs> okay. Yet, I'm going to say yet, and I'm I'm not saying I know the future, yeah. but I've. Uh, being the being a, a, a master of fitness, um, being one of the human performance office rep- representatives, I've gone and seen enough of these things. Yeah. And I'm telling you right now, if we don't make this a uh, by body weight thing, the whole gender integration thing. Out the window. Work. Out the window. Yeah. Because the female is required to do just a bottom size, not a female, but a, a male or a soldier, gender neutral infantry or combat armed soldier is supposed to deadlift 200 pounds three times okay and that's, that's a lot pe- period regardless of body weight they regardless can forget, of body weight regardless of gender they can forget about having any female pass that unless they are so, you know unless they are, are <laughs> on on a already very strenuous uh, strength and conditioning program because there are females there are ladies who can deadlift that much sure but there aren't that many and I bet you the right. percentage of women who can do it in the army is very, much very low. lower much lower than it is in a general population and and the question is does she become a one trick pony after right. learning how to deadlift two, uh, 200 pounds three times right right so you, you go you know the sled is also 95 pounds right for the sprint drag carry that's a that's a large percentage of some of these women's body weight. Huh. Now, how much pull do you have, if I can use that word, when it comes to making policy for these things? You are the N, the NCOIC, correct? Yes, zero. But you have zero pull. Right, I'm so going to talk. Can, to, I'm so going to talk to Donnie. Don, Major so, Bigham is not in my funny. Major Bigham is not in my chain of command. I'm going to talk to him. You know. <laughs> you know what I'm. So and 
and we've been kind of fighting this fight together. So the very uh-huh. first time I ever took an ACFT to get ACFT level three certified, uh-huh. uh, the maximum weight was 340 on a trap bar. And everybody's like, you should warm up. I was like, oh, I got this. Right? Tell, tell people what the ACFT is for those who don't know. That's a so basic training certification. Fitness. Yes. So yes. the ACFT um, level three courses for you to be able to go out and administer the test and also OIC and NCIC okay. the test to validate the test yeah. uh, and also train people under you to be able to be graders and, and, and lane validators. Okay. Yeah. I didn't mean to interrupt, uh, but I thought it'd be important no, for okay. people to know. Yeah. It's okay. Um, uh, no, no. So go so ahead. Keep, keep talking. You, you guys go, are trying to fix to this, this. Right. I go to this ACFT and you know, 340 is the max weight. I'm like, okay, I can do 340 three times. Not a big deal. So pick it up the first time, put it down, reset my hips, go to lift again. They're like, Hey, you're a no go. And I'm like, what? why? Right. I'm like, why? They're like, well, you're not supposed to stop working. I was like, do you even know what I'm doing? Wow. They were like, the, so long talk- story short, the, the army as a whole uh, is not schooled up enough on true strength training and true right. conditioning to really be administering tests like this. So what, what, I, what I feel like is important, what I feel like could happen and, and the TAPC could be the result of it, is NCOs come to the TAPC and they yep. train with us yep. and they coach with us, right? And they learn and then they go back to their unit. So even though, I mean, I see it's a very positive thing that the army is kind of moving in a new direction as far as what they're requiring of their soldiers physically, but even though they're doing that, they're still, they still have a foot, maybe a foot and a half planted in that old school thought. And they're just saying, okay, everybody has to deadlift three reps, but they're not thinking about things like body mechanics when it comes to body weight. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Well, fortunately... You know, I lost the video. Can you hear me? There you go. Now you're back. back. Now you're back. Um, But fortunately, they have guys like you and Major Bigham who know powerlifting, who know these movements like deadlift that they're that they're trying to incorporate. Do you think you guys will get through with your thoughts on how that should be? Uh, So I feel like we're making dent because uh, we've always we're always having some high ranking person come in like yesterday. Uh, everybody's done lifting. Everybody's ready to go home. You know, we're the only, we're not really open because of the COVID thing. So we're shooting videos, instructional videos, and challenges to try to keep soldiers engaged and in shape. Uh, yeah. And as I'm packing up and getting ready to leave, I get a call, and they're like, "Hey, I hope you're still at the Tapsi. We've got uh, a four-star general coming to see this place. It wasn't a planned stop. Uh, so those are our times to engage and be like, "Hey, this is why." what we're doing is necessary. Right. That's so, when you need to speak up when those guys with the stars on their shoulders show up. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, and the, the post commander and our post star major really, really support what we're doing. Um, but you know, just like anything else, there's, there's people that are really, really set in their ways uh, and now, don't really understand the need for what we're doing. Now your post commander, your post sergeant major, do they have a background in powerlifting or weightlifting? Do they understand uh, what you guys are trying to do, or are they just trusting Absolutely. your trust? So okay. They not only do they understand, but they've come in and seen and actually, uh, our post star major. I was, you know, hey, what are you doing this morning, star major? He's like, oh, I'm going to do this workout. I was like, hey, won't you try some of this, right? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And and he's been uh, very willing to uh, to try some of the methodology, and he's he's fully bought in. So is our our uh, post commander. I see. 
Wow, man. Well, that's a, that's a that's a hard fight to have to fight because I can <laughs> I can just imagine how difficult it is to make the army as a as an organization think in a new way that can't be right. easy and that's nothing that's right. not saying anything bad about the army it's just because no. it is such a big machine it is such a large mm -hmm. organization mm -hmm. yeah it it has been a roller coaster ride i'll be honest with you this <coughs> yeah, this, this undertaking has been up there amongst like me being a drill sergeant as far as really yeah, the the when we first opened the facility, and even prior to when we were just working at the Human Performance Office, uh, Major Bigham pulled me over to the Human Performance Office uh, with a gentleman named Master Sergeant Ledbetter, and we were uh, outlining and designing new PT programs for the infantry OSA community because they were moving in 22 weeks and they would have time to lift weights, they would have time to do okay. strength uh, and conditioning stuff, and even then, you know, trying it was hurtful to me when I was trying to teach the NCO Corps. Uh, that hey, like lifting is the way. What what hurt me is they like I don't want to do this. Wow. And I'm like, why? What? That's a good and question. Why would they not want to? Well, because no no grown up, no grown man in the infantry that's got a combat action. Or I'm sorry, uh, a combat infantryman's badge wants to be told he's not good at anything. Okay. So the ego. I hear, the ego. I hear the the ego. Ego. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. When I tell when I have to tell guys. Uh, when I have to tell guys like, hey, you're an inefficient runner, I get it, you run 12 minute two miles, but you don't know how to run. When I have to tell guys that, they're like, yeah, whatever. Okay. Now, so you get a guy that tells you, yeah, whatever. Is that, is that someone who is higher than you in rank or is it guy, you know, in other words, no. how much, how much does your rank mean in the position that you have? Because you're kind of out of the swing of things. You know, you're not an sure. infantry unit. You're not um, directly in charge well, of troops, so I will, to speak. I will tell you this. I try to approach uh, what we do always as an NCO first, uh -huh. but as an NCO, I'm not, I'm not much different than a coach or any other leader in that aspect. That's because that's basically what you're doing find, is coaching. Yeah, right. I yeah. have to find a way for you to buy into what I'm selling. Right. So if you say, yeah, whatever, I got to still reach you until you become unreachable, if that makes sense. That's right. That's right. I bet so, you never I bet you never had a recruit when you were a drill sergeant tell you, yeah, whatever. That's a little bit different uh, right there. Oh, oh, I absolutely have. And <laughs> I have, I have you know, no. a special set of skills. I have a special <laughs> set of skills to get them to do what I need them to do. Well, I bet you do. I bet yeah. you do, man. <laughs> Well, you you have a wealth of experience. Um, I would guess that a majority of your time in the army has been in that coaching type of position. You're you're literally a coach now when it comes to right. the training uh, that you're right. doing at the um, at the performance center. But isn't that a rather intense coaching job that you have as a drill sergeant as well? Same Absolutely. thing. Same and, thing. And I, it's absolutely the same thing. And what people don't understand, and this goes to just basic leadership, from the books that I've read and the people that I've watched from the time I was, you know, following my dad around his uh, infantry companies to the time I walked in my own infantry company like as a, as a private. Leadership is absolutely getting people to buy into whatever you're selling. There you go. It's so a salesman it doesn't position. change. Yeah. It's, it absolutely is. Absolutely is. So it doesn't change. Uh, yes, my what I'm selling has changed, but the method doesn't change. No. So for me, as a coach at the Tap C, 
I can't go up to the guy that's a 600 pound deadlifter and tell him his deadlift form sucks. Uh-huh. I have to tell him, hey man, you're strong. I can make you better. I can give you longevity, right? That way, I'm not completely like uh, killing his his his. I don't want to say ego, but I don't want to kill his ego. Well, I need but to, ego, but ego will get will get in the way of him accepting that offer of offering him longevity. Who doesn't sure. want to be as big and strong as they possibly can into their forties, into their fifties, sixties, seventies? You know. So we'll go back to our training versus exercise, right? Yep. No one is looking at the long game; they're looking at right now. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. A trainer, a person who is training looks at their here and now. A person right. who is, um, no, I'm sorry, a person who is working out is looking at the here and now. A person who trains is looking for longevity. I right. train. I do not work out. I can't remember the right. last time I worked out. I train. Mm-hmm. So you're So you're out there leading by example. I've seen some of your training videos, some of the instructional things that you've put up. Where do you get, you know... Because the trainer always has to be trained. In other words, you sure. always have to be building your knowledge. Where is your fountain to, of information To be a master, from? you have to follow a master. Absolutely. Right? So uh, I'm taking 1,000% advantage of the, the people that Major Bigham hired. He hired two really, really good coaches. Uh, one was a, uh, a strength coach at Marsoc, right? Yeah, yeah. Pretty big deal. Uh-huh. And uh, his counterpart uh, was one of the strength coaches at Old Dominion and really like kind of the reason why Old Dominion has a strength training program and a football team. Okay. So then that, that guy's got 20 years in the game. So yes. listen, I, I write down what I think I want to do and they look at it <laughs> and they're like, Hey, this makes all the sense. or this makes no sense. So I'm getting a free education from guys that have 30 years experience in uh strength conditioning. There's people who will pay a few thousand bucks a year for that kind of Man, education. Man, I'm getting it for free, and that's my beef with what's going on with the Army right now. When when guys come in the tap sea, they're like, oh, I don't want to do this. I was like, do you know what this would cost anywhere else? We're begging you to take it from us. I have a couple of clients uh, as we speak who irritate me just like that you know it's like do you do you know the value of what you're getting all you have to do is listen listen to me just listen to me and do this and you will get the benefits Mm -hmm. but they but they always want to throw yeah but i think or yeah but what if what if oh yeah but why you know stop thinking i'm doing it for you exactly exactly i've watched you move i know what you need just exactly just execute i feel your pain (laughs) (laughs) it's rough man it's absolutely rough absolutely rough now, how long do you, is, is there a set amount of time that you'll be at that duty station at the, uh, at the TAPC, Tactical Athlete Performance Center? Is there a certain amount of time or will you be there indefinitely? If the Army says I need to move, I got to move. Yeah. But maybe we have some top coverage because this is such an important deal to the, to, okay. uh, the post commander, post star major. So they what, don't want to. What hurts the Army. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. the Army. What hurts the army all the time is that we don't uh, keep any continuity. Yeah, I was just going to say, I would think that if they want to build up TAP C, like they say they do, like I'm sure they do, that they would keep right. some consistency with the personnel there. Right, right. Especially the green suitors, because we're the ones that translate the, the smart stuff that the coaches are, you know. Exactly. So that, that cooperation with the civilian side, uh, well, I'm sure that's key to the success of TAP C. Absolutely. You know, they're. I mean, they, and they, they work with us every day. We see them every day, every morning. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a, we got a really, really good team. That's we good. all bonded pretty well. Uh, 
So that's good. And we're willing to take on any challenge, any customer at this point, you know, because we're really trying to get this out there. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm listening to the birds and stuff in the background there. There's a lot of podcasts. I was going to ask you, do you miss this stuff? I mean, it's like 80 degrees right now. And I'm standing outside. It's beautiful. You know what? 80 degrees. Every picture I see, it's super cold where you're at all the time. Yeah, but 80 degrees is a little too hot for me now i've I've, oh, adju I've adjusted to the temperatures here in norway skin's thick now <laughs> like like today was probably i don't know 55 degrees and i had to throw in a jacket but i was sitting in my chair in shorts and flip-flops and just a little yeah. jacket on <laughs> and I, I, was, I was fine no if, yeah. it, if it gets up to around 70 that's hot enough for me if it's over really? 70, oh, man if it's over 70 i'm sweating and uncomfortable and a little bit irritated <laughs> So, right, right. Um, no, Let I miss, I miss, a, I miss a lot of things about America, but not, not the weather. <laughs> not the weather. Right. Let me ask you a question. How much does that weather play a factor into your recovery? I've seen some stuff all online and on TV about some of the, the people in, in those countries that are, that are real big into like, uh, natural cold baths and yes. stuff like that. Uh, yeah. So do you guys use, you use a lot of that stuff in your programming? I do not personally. I know a few strongman competitors here in Norway uh, right. who do. They'll just go and right. jump right out in the ocean. Um, like right now, uh, a lot of the inner uh, fjords and some of the lakes up in the mountains are still frozen. Uh, and of no course, all that, and of course, all that melt-off water is running down into the fjords. And I've I have mm -hmm. friends who live well north of the Arctic Circle who just within the oh. last couple of days have put videos out on YouTube on uh, Facebook where they're jumping in the ocean. Hey, they're better humans than I am. They're better humans than I am. I don't think they're human. I think they're part whale or something. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> something. No, something. so so but 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 I I again I have adjusted to the weather. I would. If I think back when I was living in Chicago, I'm from Ohio, but I lived in Chicago for a while. And that those Chicago, yeah, and those Chicago summers are real humid. Yeah. Uh, and I always felt like I recovered faster in that heat. But that could be, really? a, yeah, but that could be an age thing as well. I'm older yeah, now, absolutely. so recovery. Absolutely. You know, I've had to do different things now with the, with the way my training program is set up. Right. But yeah, um, yeah and, I do and see. This, no, go ahead. This is a perfect segue into the question that uh, my buddy Joe Todd, the guy I told you about earlier. What's his name? Um, Joe Todd. Joe Todd, uh, how you doing? If you look on, if you look on Instagram, not your average Joe is his name, and it said Coach on there. Uh, he asked, uh, "What are your training splits like, and how do you recover as a master lifter?" I told him about, uh, yeah, you know, your squat, and then that that deadlift picture, uh, and he's like. I want to know what he does to recover because you are how old now, sir? I'm 50. 50, right? I'll be, I'll be, I'll be still moving. I'll be 51 in May. No, I'll be 36 in May. Look yeah, at just Party a baby, together. just a baby. Yeah. <laughs> with all respect, with all respect. <laughs> um, so yeah, Joe had that question. What do your training splits look like? And I, I would assume he means like, how do you keep the miles off? How do I keep the miles off? Well, <clears throat> first of all, and I don't want people to get into this thing where they think I'm trying to bash certain types of powerlifters. But for me personally, I have always trained drug-free, always. Sure. And within that whole 
concept of training drug-free, you have to think differently about recovery. In other words, you have to give yourself a little bit more time to recover. So even in my younger days, even when I was a a kick-ass, rock-hard bodybuilder, uh, I wasn't doing this thing where I was training seven days a week, you know, sometimes right, right, I just right. wasn't doing it. Um, I couldn't do it as a natural lifter. Uh, right. So so what I'm doing these days, now, first of all, let me preface that by saying I am still under recovery from my last sh- shoulder surgery. We can talk about That's that right. later. But I do right. have a very basic powerlifting and physical therapy routine now but for me a basic powerlifting routine and, and what i'm doing now is three days a week right sunday tuesday and thursday okay uh two of those days on sunday and thursday i'm doing squat or squat variations okay uh and at the moment uh on sunday is a heavy day uh safety squats okay Thursday is a lighter day on safety squats, usually pause squats with about 75% of whatever I lifted on Sunday. Uh, On Tuesday is the day I focus most on deadlift. Uh, And that's it. That is very basic. Now, three days a week, a lot of people are going to think right away, man, that's not enough. How can you grow on that? Well, you grow on that because you have time to grow because you have so many days recovered. And on those three days, I'm not BSing. I'm lifting. I am lifting heavy and intense. One thing that Mm -hmm. I do that a lot of powerlifters don't do is as heavy as my squat and deadlift is. Uh, normally again, it's things are a little bit more moderate now because of the shoulder surgery. But when, when I lift as heavy as I do, and I pack all of that movement into just three days a week. Just imagine how intense that is. It's oh, yeah, not, the central nervous system has to react. The, the body's endocrine system ex- is going nuts. Exactly. And I don't have a desire to train more than that because I have I'm done sure. the work. So both physically and mentally, I have to rest because I put so right. much into that. But having said right. that, as much weight as I lift, it is compressed in a very short time frame. You have this idea that powerlifters will do a squat set and then they're going to wait 10 minutes before they do the next set. That's not me. Two minutes, rarely longer than two minute breaks, no matter how so, heavy I'm lifting on so you're, Sunday. So you're, you're, I won't say inadvertently, but you're keeping your your capacity way high because you're not really like you're not technically fully recovered. Exactly. Um, That idea, that concept of letting your heart rate fall back to normal so that you can perform uh, higher strength wise before the next set. I understand that. But I also see another side of it where when you push yourself, when you cut that rest time down, just think, oh, in other words, I'm training so that I'm prepared for a competition. Now, if sure. I squat, if I do a set of safety bar squats, you know, um, uh, a set of three with, with 285 kilos, and I'm only waiting two minutes, and then I'm doing my next set of three, and then I'm only waiting two minutes, I'm doing my third set of three, I know that I am ready to do three singles at a powerlifting sure. meet where I might have with 15, 20 minutes in between. In between, do you see what I'm saying? right. So uh, I am preparing, I am making my training much harder than what I'm ever mm-hmm. going to see at a meet. And that, you know, that's not much different than what we should be doing in the combat arms environments. Let's make the training so incredibly hard 
that when the real dance comes, there you go. You're ready to dance. Walk in the park. You're ready to dance. Yeah. yeah. And I don't. Right. Um, I don't believe that. Now I am a. I am a super heavyweight. That's an 120 kilo plus class. But as a 120 plus lifter, I'm incredibly lean. In other words, I have a right. ton of muscle on me more right. than some right. of these other guys who are. You know, I'm also fairly short. I'm only five eight. So yeah. there's a lot of guys that are up, you know, you know, six, whatever, six, four, six, five, and they might right. weigh, they might outweigh me by 20, 25 kilos, but I'm stronger than them because I right. have packed more muscle and mm -hmm. more mm -hmm. cardiovascular mm -hmm. capability mm -hmm. into this five foot eight, 135, 140 kilo frame. Have you ever taken a DEXA scan? No, I haven't. I would love to you, do that. Yeah, I, I would <laughs> that love would to do that. Listen, if you get the opportunity, I need to see those numbers immediately. You know, I there are places here in uh, Drummond, here in the, the city where I live. I should I should just pay out a you pocket really and just should. get it done. You should. You should. It would be something fun to share with my followers on social media. Yeah. Also, it would be just yeah. a good thing to know what that uh, percentage is. I, right. I let myself get slightly, uh, pretty much out of shape. Uh, after that last shoulder surgery I had last May. But mm -hmm. since then, I've cut my body weight quite a bit. I think I told you this. I'm on my way down to about 125 kilos. Uh, at my best as a bodybuilder, I was around 110 kilos. I think I can look just as I did as a bodybuilder 20, you know, 20 years ago. Yeah, uh, so I think, I think the, the powerlifting, what powerlifting does to, to the physique is much more pleasing than the single joint, yes. lots of reps, lots of movement. So yeah. there's a there's a thickness and density that comes with a lean power lifter yeah. that you cannot replicate exactly in bodybuilding. And when you're a power lifter, it's just a matter of dieting and cutting down some body weight, and then you can go play as a bodybuilder if you want. Yep. When you're a power lifter, yep. you can do that. And guys are doing it. Guys yep. are doing it. Absolutely, doing they're doing it. it. Uh, I don't know if you remember an old cat. His name was Sylvester Anderson. I do uh, know who that is. Ah, yes. He was, uh, he was a Marine. He yep. uh, did both powerlifting and bodybuilding. He was known for uh, doing a powerlifting competition, uh, winning, <laughs> you know, uh, and then cutting weight, and then a week or two later, step on a bodybuilding stage. That's insane. It was insane. Now, let me ask you this. How do you feel... Uh, about like the current trend i won't say current trend but the the thought that like powerlifters are these like fat out of shape guys and some people almost playing to yeah. that 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 notion well kind of getting back to what we were talking about about my my training routine and, and my recovery you know how i how i time my training with my recovery and whatnot i think i'm a walking testament to the fact that you don't have to be this <laughs> fat, hard breathing, super heavyweight powerlifter. Um, I challenge anybody. I don't care how much you. I challenge anybody to get beside me on an elliptical machine. I'll probably run them into the ground. And I and right. that is, that's as a super heavyweight powerlifter. And so you know what's hard to to get people to understand is that I don't have to do a bunch of aerobics and running oh, to keep God. my my capacity up. Thank if you. The squat. If Thank the squat you. and the deadlift is intense enough. 
again, when you're squatting, you know, uh, up around 300 kilos uh, for such a three or four or more, <laughs> some guys are doing even more, and uh, you're cutting your break time down like I do to two minutes, that's a cardio workout right there. Sure. As a power lifter, really as anyone, <laughs> why do you want to pound your joints into the ground running In on the stupid treadmill? Sub-maximal movements. Stop Thank it. Thank you. Thank you. Go Stop to it. Go to the big three. Where is your squat, bench, and deadlift? How is uh, squat, um, yeah, squat bench and deadlift? Sorry, how is that? How are you working that into your conditioning? Right, you know, that's that's right. really all you need. Right. Squat bench and deadlift and a few supplemental exercises, and you're good to go. Yep, like, and and you know what? It's we because we've had uh, women come to the tap C, we've yep. heard it all. Like, yep. I don't want to be, I don't want to look like a man. I heard deadlifts make you look like a man. I was like, ah, I don't think so. Like, I'll ask anybody to go in, um, go in on, um, what would that be? Uh, go in and just search up the Norwegian female powerlifting team and look at, the, look at those ladies there. I cannot, I'm trying to think where would be the best place to find that. I don't know. They can just do a Google search, Norwegian, Norwegian female powerlifting team. And I challenge anybody to try and tell me that they look like men. Those are some of the most right. beautiful women uh, mm -hmm. in the world and also some of the strongest. Um, right. They outlift or they rather they outranked uh, the men's powerlifting team last year at the Worlds, if I'm not mistaken. That's insane. Um, also at the Norwegian, was it at the Norwegian Championships? Or the, yeah, it was at the Norwegian Championships. There were, I can't remember the percentage, but it was a high, higher percentage of female lifters than male lifters there. So powerlifting among females. is coming to the forefront. It is in the forefront here. I mean, they are, the, these Norwegian women are the ones that are getting it done and they're beautiful. They look like right. fit women. You're not right. going to look like a man. If if you look like a man from powerlifting and you're a female, well, you look There's like a man, you look like a, you look like a man before you started powerlifting. That. Right, 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 right. <laughs> Sorry, Absolutely. ladies. Sorry, ladies, but that's yeah. the truth. That's the truth. <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> it is what it is. We're going to just say it like it is. Yep. Yeah, so I know I hope I answered that question about how I recover no, you, and whatnot. I, I I give myself time to recover, but right. if you're being a chump during your training and you're only training three days a week, you're not going to get anything out of it. You've got to push it. You've got to put some drops of sweat on the floor if you're so only training three days a, a week. I'll tell you this. I'm at three days a week right now with the training that I've been posting, Yeah. and I've never, ever, ever felt like this before. Like I'm I'm searching for my my. Tuesdays and Thursdays and, yeah, and Saturdays. Like I, I need yeah. them. You, I, need I need them. them. Yeah. And I'm and, and it's it's no kind of a mental challenge. It's not like I feel like I have to get back in and train. No, I don't want to. No. I need I need that rest. Let me say one other thing about recovery. Uh, I have a new tool in my arsenal. I bought a uh, yoga swing. Have you ever seen those things? Um, uh, nope. Yeah, it's a it's, uh, You can just look up yoga swing uh, yep. on Google. It's this thing you can attach it to the roof. Uh, it has like a, a padded seat that you can sit in, and a couple of handles that get up there, and you can twist twist it around your hips and whatnot, so that you can flip backwards and hang upside uh, down. Decompress. Decompression is so, especially with the squat that I have. Absolutely. If Absolutely. you're someone, if you're someone who is doing any kind of a weight on a squat or a deadlift, you need to decompress. The best mm -hmm. way to do it is a yoga swing. So mm -hmm. I, I wish I had a sponsor <laughs> that was selling yoga yeah, right. swings. Yeah, we'll, fi and, we'll and, find you one. Well, <laughs> thank you. Do that. Uh, yeah. I'm trying to get paid. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> but if you if you're listening to this, I strongly recommend buying a yoga swing. Maybe that's something you could look uh, look into at the center there. 
um, it'll do wonders. Even for people who aren't lifting heavy, just, you know, uh, right. you, you might get a grunt who's coming in from the field who's been, you know, on their, and, and they those just guys, need those guys suffer from, uh, you know, discompression all the time. You got body armor on, you got a rucksack on, you're running, you're jumping, you're, you're, you're just walking. It's, it's normal wear and tear. Well, I recommend that you go in on YouTube and just search yoga swing and you'll see it. Now, <clears throat> most of what you're going to see is like, you know, these, these, uh, super fit ladies, you know, wearing yeah. a bathing suit and whatnot, but <laughs> you know, that's nice to look at, but it, that, that is aside, for, yeah. that is for anyone, um, who does any kind of powerlifting, CrossFit weightlifting, and you need that decompression. So okay. uh, I would imagine, you're, you're, I'm yeah, I would imagine that your soldiers would have some good use out of that. Yeah. Well, Check it out. You know, I'm going to check one out and, yeah. and bring it to the facility and, and check see if it we out. can't get some extra dollars. Yeah. 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 And then not that it's not an expensive piece of gear. Not at all. Okay. Not at all. Yeah. So that's my, that's my recovery. I, I, three days a week, I give myself time to recovery and I use that yoga swing. Okay. So tell me about, uh, tell me about how you, you've been training around the shoulder. You've been using the safety squat bar to, to yeah. save yeah. you from, and what uh, was the injury again? Well, I have, um, as you know, every, most people, their, um, their acromium uh, mm -hmm. grows pretty much straight out. Right. But on my shoulders, uh, and especially on my left, it's in a C formation growing down. Okay. So you can imagine from, from yeah. birth, all of my shoulder movement has just been consistently grinding, right, grinding right, right. away on my rotator cuff, on my supraspinatus and inf infraspinatus. Is that what it's yeah. called in English? Yes. Yeah, okay, yeah. I mean, you, you've got a little my, accent on it, but that's uh, fine. Sorry, think, think, thinking in Norway. I've been here for 20 years, man. Um, it's great to be talking to an American, by the way. I just want to <laughs> say, I just want to say that. <laughs> no, but uh, so, so, so all of that grinding on those tendons and ligaments, and in the end, things just started, started snapping. Right. So I've had my supraspinatus redone twice. I've had my yeah. You had you had a surgery right when we met, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, my first surgery was yep. in December of 2016, if I remember yep. correctly. I yeah, remember that. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. That was my first surgery, and I'm thinking, ah, no big deal. This is nothing. I'll be right. fine. But I wasn't fine. I have right. had now eight surgeries and counting. No kidding, man. So, but I'm a hard charger. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I, I can go back to my life uh, as an active duty U.S. Marine. That right there put that drive, that focus, that sure. tunnel, tunnel vision towards working towards my goal. Now, I started powerlifting not just for the fun of it. I started powerlifting to test myself, to see what I could do. And when I saw that I could do things in powerlifting, I said, okay, I want to do the, not only the best I can, but I want to do the best in the world right? for my age group and, and weight class. That's my goal. Right. And you know, I'm glad you said that because I had a moment today. Yeah. Um, so I'm doing this training, right? And the training block we're in right now, it's ISO holds, right? Yep. And you know what it's like being under a, a heavy squat at the bottom, yep. holding your brace. It feels like you're down there for an eternity. So what we're doing with our training I'm doing front squats, so I'm making it even that much harder on myself. Uh, <laughs> I get to the bottom. I'm braced really hard. I can feel everything working. My knees are fired out. And your partner is counting five, yeah. four, three, two, one. And you know what it's like with a heavy enough front squat. You kind of get that 
it, you feel like you're going to cave forward, yep. right? And you can yeah. feel the spinal erector yep. working. You can They're feel on the fire. working. Yep. And I racked the bar uh, and went to do my accessory stuff. And I was like, man, this is the first time, like this last, even the training block prior to this, like this is the first time in a while you've done something hard. Okay. So you, you, you just find, you find a new limit. Right. You know what I mean? You're raising your limit. I try Because I could have. I could have made every excuse in the world not to go do the next set because that, hey, isometric holds suck. I do. <laughs> um, but I, you know, after I was done, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a little sore or whatever. I'm walking in my car and I was like, how many people don't do something hard every day? That's a good question. And it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be weights. No. Um, you know, there's a mental side to it. How many people challenge themselves mentally? Right. On a daily basis. It's so important to the human animal. Absolutely. That you do that. Absolutely. I, I, I was talking about this on my previous podcast episode. Um, challenge doesn't necessarily mean problem. Challenge right. means that a door has been opened. It is an opportunity for growth. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and that process is not easy. It's not comfortable. No. But the results, I'll take the results. Thank you very All much. All day, every day. <laughs> All day, every day. So I, um, you know, to, to make a long story short, I've had, I've had eight shoulder operations, but within all of that BS, all of that foolishness with all of these operations, I'm still holding on to my goal. Okay, I will never have a big bench again. That's just not going to happen. Right. At my last meet, uh, when I set the Norwegian squat record, I had the biggest squat, of course, but then I also had the meat's smallest bench. I only benched 20 kilos. <laughs> right. And so that's my new standard right there. Okay, right. so within that, without, without being able to bench, what can I do to get better? Well, I can still build my squat and I can sp still build my deadlift. So right. the challenge is to continue growing even though I have these shoulder issues. You just don't sure. stop. Or I don't stop. Yeah. I just can't stop. Right, right. So... That's awesome, man. Uh, you know, it's 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 me. That's just the way. That's just the way it is for me. I have to. Yeah. I have to keep making myself better within this world of powerlifting. Have to. Right. 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 Yeah. And why not? You're why given not? a gift. I was. I'm. I'm. I'm so aware that I have a. I have a God-given gift of longevity. You know, like I said, I'm 50 sure. years old, and and uh, a God-given gift of strength. So that's a good combination. Yeah. I'm just going to use it. I'm just going to yep. use it. Absolutely. Yep. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Well, all right. One more question from me, and then we can we can BS some more. So, one of my buddies that works uh, with me, uh, Sergeant Glover, uh, he was the one that asked about the Cohen Philippi deadlift program, and he asked, he's like, "Can it be used for squats and deadlift? Why or why not?" Now, I'm trying to remember. I'm the, sorry, squats and bench, squats and bench. Yeah, the same, the same setup, the same percentage growth and whatnot. Right. You know, I. I'm trying to remember the details of that program. I have used that program early in my powerlifting career. Like, I think I did it twice, uh, once in the 2015 year and once in the 2016 year. And since then, I've gone on to other things. My shoulder doesn't tolerate that kind of intensity on deadlift anymore. Makes sense. It's just too much of a drag on my, on my shoulder with the heavier weights. Right, right. I think, I want to say, you know, and w without talking to Ed directly about that, I would say that that program was made just for deadlift. There's a certain amount of intensity. There's a certain amount of frequency yeah. that fits only for that lift. For that deadlift, I right. think it's very rare that a power lifter from an intermediate level and up 
can just take the same percentage progression on all three lifts. There's going to be right. a, there's going to be a difference, and a lot of that has to do with the individual's strength in those individual lifts. You might that makes be sense. A, yeah, you might be a great deadlifter, but you kind of stink at bench right. or whatever you know. So my my answer to that is I don't know for sure, but I don't think that that would work for most lifters. If you're less than a intermediate level power lifter, yeah, you could probably do it because you're not going to be talking about you're not weights. getting as much stimulus exactly right, and not yeah. enough load. Yeah. But, uh, but having said that, uh, okay, you can't transfer that <clears throat> progression over to bench or, or squats, but having said that, that is a fantastic deadlift program. Like I said, I right. ran that program a couple of times myself and saw significant gains in my deadlift. Really? Absolutely. Don't uh, ask me any numbers. I can't remember what that was. I would have to go back and look at my old training logs, but it is a, it is a deadlift program that works. Absolutely. No kidding. Shout out to Ed Cohen. I love that guy. He. Uh, it's been too long since I've hung out with him. Um, I hang out. This might sound funny, but I hang out with his wife more than I hang out with him. Uh, <laughs> his his lady is a Norwegian lady, and she is. Um, she's been friends with my wife. She's the one that introduced me to my wife way back in the day okay. when we were living in Chicago. So yeah. when Ed's wife, she comes very often here to Norway, and she's here sometimes six, seven months out of the year. And, oh wow! Oh yeah, and we we hang out together. If you see me tagging a uh, tiny little coach on a hashtag, I've seen that. That's her. I've seen that. That's her. okay. She's not my coach, so to speak. I do all my own programming. Right. When I, but but when she's here, we do train together, <laughs> and she is my number one motivator when I train. No kidding. Absolutely. When I train, and if if I'm filming and documenting, the first person to see that film is her. Be, either because she was there at the gym right. with me, or if she's back in the states, I send that film off to her. To get her thumbs up and her approval, love her wow. to death. She's she is my wow. yep. She is my absolute best friend. I love her to death. I met Ed first, and yeah. then through Ed I met her, and then through her I met my wife. So we're kind of like uh, no kidding. Yeah, that's but, family. Yeah, well, abs absolutely. And, and I can and I say that it's been too long since I've had the chance to hang out with Ed. It just hasn't yeah. matched up. He actually came to Norway to do a. Um, a seminar there was a strongman competition here in norway and he did a seminar there yeah. and i just couldn't get up there because it was maybe a week after my last shoulder surgery uh, yeah, i was all oh god i was all messed up and just yeah but shout out to ed i love that guy yeah that's uh that's someone i would like to meet for sure he is one of the most how can i say that he's the he's one of the most intense people i have ever known and yet on the other side of that is just an ordinary, down-to-earth, kind-hearted soul. Yeah, I've stumbled upon some kind of video of him like showing somebody some knife stuff, and I was like, "Oh crap! Yes. Look at the other side of this guy." Yes. And what it wasn't just like he was showing them knife stuff. The look in his eyes, his yep. stance, like everything, yep. just seemed like it was ready to pounce, like a like an animal would. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, "Holy crap!" Like he, I've seen that in in other martial artists that I know, uh, and I was like, "That." He trains, uh, yeah, he trains fighting skills, whether it's knife or grappling or whatever. He trains that stuff at least a couple times a week. No kidding. And he, uh, yeah, it's, there's a certain amount of intensity. I tell you, you know, people see his training videos and they see how much he lifted. And that was, of course, impressive. But what impressed sure. me the most about Ed was his mental preparation before each set. Yeah. He had this, he would sit on this bench, he would chalk up, he would wrap up. And he would just get this look in his eyes. It's like it's like something you see in a 
I'm going to war. Yeah, it's like something you would see in a Marvel comic movie with somebody just getting prepared, putting on their Superman cape or something. Really? And just, really? I would just get chills, goosebumps up and down my yeah, arms watching. Because you know what you're that. witnessing. Exactly. That's what most, that would impress me because if he didn't have that focus, he wouldn't be able to do the lifts that he did. Of course not. Of course so not. there's a physical side of it that's obvious for everyone, but, but the mental side, that is underneath all of that. That is the foundation of all of that. And I, I think that's something that people, coaches, trainers, athletes miss. Uh, you have to be mentally prepared to put in the work. Yes, maybe you've got all the physical tools, but if you can't go to that place, and sometimes you got to go to dark places to get some sets done. Absolutely, if you can't go there and just call on it immediately. You're gonna have a hard time. Do you have a Do you have a mental preparation routine? You know, how do you where do you, how do you get yourself pumped up? Uh, so, and I, I use kind of use the same thing for whether it's it's combat oriented uh whether we're doing some kind of drills or actually overseas prior to like putting my gear on or even in the gym when i know i'm about to do a hard set i listen to orchestral music okay yeah and there you know uh -huh. I, I believe the human human is a, a is a bunch of frequencies and there's something yes. about orchestral music that can put me in this mood where like i'm 110 percent focused and you know if i have to switch or flip the bad switch it's right there. Are you uh, are you a musician? So I grew up in a very uh, musically inclined family, but I just never stuck with me. I played okay. uh, the trumpet for a little while. Dad played the dad played the sax, plays the drums, or played the drums when he was young. Mom could sing, sister can sing. You know, I just it yeah. didn't stick. You went to the army. But I will. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I I will tell you though. Like I grew up listening to the good stuff. Like I'll never forget the one of my favorite cds coming up my dad would put in uh live at the creek or the yellow jackets oh. uh, a lot of jazz stuff and that I stuff see. always spoke to me yeah yeah wow i tell music is a big part of my life i you as you know i do I'm, obviously yeah i'm a i am a musician i'm sitting here in my studio you probably see my I see it some of my guitars behind me so this is where i yeah. do this is where i do all my recording and i had a um I guess I was I was pretty fortunate as a child. Now my mother was very musical. She had a beautiful singing voice and she played mm -hmm. piano. Uh, and then uh, we were a church going family, so we would hear you know hear the singing, yep. the gospel singing yep. in church, bl yep. in black church, as you know. Yeah. Uh, so so she was the you know the gospel, the 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 old school seventies R and B mm -hmm. and soul, all that good stuff, mm -hmm. and and jazz as well. <clears throat> and then my father was more of a classic rock type of guy you know rolling yeah. stones and yeah 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 neil young and stuff like that um so i kind of got got, got both a blend, sides a beautiful got, blend oh yeah absolutely so I, I hope that comes out in my music i don't know i don't know what this stuff is i'm putting out but it's kind of a, it's it's got its roots in a mix of both yeah. of those styles so yeah you know, you know what's it's funny you mentioned that that gospel like that heavy gospel voice that you hear come out of a lot of black churches. There are these women in the UK that have a little bit lighter complexion that are belting out the same stuff and you hear them. So yes. the, I fell in love with this, this uh, group. It's, it's Hannah Williams and I can't remember the name of her band, but man, she Hannah can belt Williams. it out. I have a couple of her songs on a Spotify she playlist. She can go. Yes. She can go. She's from England? I didn't know that. Yeah, she's from the UK, if I'm not mistaken. I did not know that. Okay. Yep. 
Sounds like a black woman to me. Sounds like sounds like a black woman from from wherever in the south. In the, yeah, yeah. Wow. Right. Okay. Interesting. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, but you know, I I try not to put uh, any limitations on myself as far as what I'll, what I'll listen to. We were one of the few black families in a small country town in Ohio where I grew up. So most okay. of the music around me was what the white kids were listening to, you know, the 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 stuff that we call classic rock today. Sure. So there's a lot of that in the music that I listen to and the music that I perform. It's, I think I have a good mix. I, I like being able to hop back and forth on both Genres, sides. Genres, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Kind of gives me my own style because nobody here in Norway is doing things like that. Norwegian right. music is very, in some ways it's very American and yet you hear it's Norwegian. Really? So for me to have my American background, such an eclectic American background when it comes to music, makes me kind right. of unique. Especially yeah, course, as a, especially as a lyricist here in uh, in right. Norway, yeah, fun fun stuff. That's awesome. Fun That's stuff. That's awesome, yeah, man. Yeah. yeah, I was telling some of the guys. Uh, I showed them the the picture of your your deadlift, and they were like, "Man, how does he get down like that?" I was like, "Well, one, he's he's super mobile," and I was like, "Oh, he's a musician too." They're like, "What does he do?" I was like, "I don't know. We'll figure it out <laughs> in this podcast, I guess." I I do. Um, okay, I'm a musician, and within that, I'm a songwriter for other artists and bands. Okay. I've written a few albums, among them a country album. I, and I can, really? I can say with a clear conscience, normally I do not like country music. I think it's boring. Right. But this guy uh, is a Norwegian friend of mine who has a country background and he needed yeah. a lyricist. He's not, you know, English is not his first language. And I had yeah. written a bunch of songs for some other artists. He liked it. Uh, so I sat down and put my mind in that place that it needed to be in to write country lyrics. No so uh, yeah, so I've written I've written metal, hard rock, um, uh, country, and all that stuff for others, and then you have my music, which is right. Yeah, so I so I'm a musician, I'm a songwriter, uh, podcaster, uh, stand up right. comedian. That's a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I can now, imagine. I speak fluent Norwegian, but I do my stand up routine in English. I have to. I have to be myself. I have to put that sure. that delivery. I have to put that American delivery into it. Right. Uh, so I, I, I'm a little bit unique, you know, whether it's good or not is for the audience, but I am definitely unique. It's different because there's not a lot of, well, I'll just say there's not a lot of black Americans doing stand-up co comedy here in Norway. In, so in Norway, right. It's just right, not right. happening. What uh, was that like, the, the move, if you don't mind me asking? Moving from the, the States. From the States yeah. to here, yeah. Yeah. It was kind of traumatic in the sense that, okay, let me, let me, Without, without rambling, let me try and tell this story. I had been a police officer in the Chicago suburbs from 96 <clears throat> until we moved here in June of 2002. All right. And the reason we moved here is because I quit that job. I, now, I was a narcotics and gang detective. Oh, wow. And we were running a case on a pretty significant gang. They were involved in, yeah, what gangs are involved in. Sure. And unfortunately, they found out where me and my wife lived and paid us a visit one night. It's like 1130 at night, and our neighbor calls me up on the telephone. We had just gone to bed, my wife and I. My neighbor calls me up and says, John, I just saw two people jump over the fence and come into your backyard. So I told her, call 911. And I go over and get onto my uh, my police radio and call and call it in. 
right. that there's two intruders on our property. Uh, long story short, uh, after that, the day, the day after that, um, about 15, 20 guys showed up at my wife's job. Uh, she worked as a personal trainer at a gym in the next town over. 15, 20 right. guys show up there to threaten her. So I said, nope, enough's enough. <clears throat> I took her, um, and I'm really cutting this story short because, of course, some things happen. You know, when, sure. when 15, 20 guys show up at a cop's wife's job, things happen. But I'm just going to jump over that right now. So I took my wife, uh, drove her up to Minnesota to some friends of ours up in Minnesota. I went back to work to um, take care of things. And it, long story short, and it just turned out that the best thing to do was to just send my wife back home to Norway. Back home, yeah. 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 So I sent her back and things progressed and it turned out that the best thing to do was for me to quit, quit that job, give up our house wow, and move with my wife to Norway. And that's what I did. Wow, man. It, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm getting emotional now just thinking of it. Yeah. You know, and I'm not a person who goes and, and digs through my past, and I don't think shoulda, woulda, coulda. I try not to do that. There's no sense in that. Sure, But sure. there is something there that I miss. There is something unfulfilled there because I had a great job. I had a great career. I was a good officer. Right. But right. because, you know, you have to think family first. That's what I did. Absolutely. And I cannot say that I regret making that move, but that's why we came to Norway. Long story no, short. Yeah. Wow. And, yeah, that's uh, got to be tough for someone like you that has the drive you have to have to stop something. You know, it like was it, yeah, it was it was very tough. But I tell you, um, to pat myself on the back, I did not stay depressed for long. Uh, right. We came here in June of two thousand and two, and by yeah, we came here in June. We took a long vacation up at our farm way up north. Hey, those pictures that you posted that place are beautiful, man. Thank you, man. That my heart and soul is up there. I love I can it. tell. Oh, my great great grandchildren will walk that earth up there. That will That's always awesome. be in the family, and yeah, I'm truly blessed to have that place. But we we went up there uh, to kind of calm myself and 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 just kind of sure. kind of get our head straight. And then we came back to where we had our permanent residence here down south. And that was in the end of July. And then by the end of August, I had a job. No kidding. I got a job at a local high school. Um, not speaking the language. Not speaking an ounce of Norwegian. I could only wow. speak English. But what they did, was, <clears throat> there was a pro they wanted to start a project that would, uh, like an after school project that would get kids out of the danger zone. Kids that were like in trouble with you know, mm -hmm. whatever, uh, to activate, you know, activate kids, uh, with some sort of ac after school activity. So I ran, right. that, I ran that project, uh, for the County here and worked, uh, 50% of my job was that project. And then 50% was as a music teacher, uh, okay. slash social worker at that school. So, All the hats. so it, yeah, so I had basically three jobs rolled into one. And in that process, I told the kids, I said, look, I don't know Norwegian. Right. Can you guys help me? That was my foot in the door socially of with course. those kids and whatnot. And we had a lot of, and I tell you, it's a beautiful thing. This was back in 2002. I see these kids, kids, as I say, these grownups now with their own families, their own children. Uh, some, cool. some of them had some real struggles to go through as kids. And it's just yeah. beautiful to see that they made it. Come out the other side. So through their help, they, they basically taught me how to speak Norwegian, but it went real quick. It was maybe two and a half, three months, and I could 
converse easily in Norwegian. I picked up the language wow. pretty quick, but I was focused. Yeah, yeah. I was focused. I wanted to be successful here. Yeah. So, so from doing that teaching job um, to doing, um, I had my own business uh, because after a while we moved up north from down south to up north, and we we actually lived up there. And up there, I ran my own business. Uh, I was doing social work where I hired myself out to family and child services. Oh, really? I hired myself okay. out as a caseworker there. Yeah. And afterwards, I owned three gyms. I started three gyms from the ground up and ran those up there until 2014. I sold everything, uh, and we moved down south in 2014. And here I've been here since 2014, just doing... So you've just, literally done everything. I have literally... Oh, also, <laughs> st in 2014, now the plan was after selling those gyms, I was going to just chill out, take like a right. year off and do nothing. But I saw... They, um, they were hiring in the Norwegian Immigration Service. And I'm like, huh, police work. There it is, I'm police back. Police <laughs> work, I'm back. So I ran through the application process there and got that job, which is where I worked all the way up until 2017. Okay. But I had to take a leave of absence and walk away from that because of my shoulder. Now, that's an operative job, you know, out in the street sure. and, and sure. you know, picking sure. up people and whatnot. And I just can't right. do it when my... My arm, my shoulder is so bad, I can't work that job. So I've been gone for yeah. that. So I'm just doing the music and the podcast and the stand up and, and healing and, and healing and getting stronger yeah. in the process. Yeah. So, so that's my life. that goal that you shared with me, what's yeah. what's your timeline looking like? Okay, yeah, I shared a goal with you, um, a powerlifting goal that I have. Hold on, I got to drink something here. Yep. <clears throat> No edits on this podcast. People here no, are drinking. Um, <laughs> drinking tea. Drinking tea. Thank you. <laughs> Part of recovery. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I shared a goal with you. I want to squat 365, 365 mm -hmm. kilos. I have the Norwegian raw squat record. Do the math, Americans. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah <laughs> do the math. Let's see. I can do it right here. I have my phone. Let's see. So they know right away how much that is. Let's see. Um... There we go, unit converter, weight from kilos to pounds, 335. Okay, right now I have the Norwegian raw squat record at 335.5 kilos, and that's 740 pounds. Mm -hmm. And my goal is to squat 365, which is 804 pounds. Jeez. Now, I'll tell you why I picked that number. First of all, I picked that number because I really think I have it in me. I have squatted uh, fairly recently with all these shoulder problems. I've squatted 350 in training uh, down to. You, I think you, you posted that video, if I'm not mistaken. That is to be found on my social media somewhere. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah I saw it. Maybe it's on Instagram. Yeah. Some, it's out there. Um, 350 in training uh, down to competition depth and everything was, was great. So I know uh, that I have 365 in me. Yeah, uh, but above and beyond that, and it, now I'm going to tell you how Ed Cohen motivates me, my friend and brother Ed Cohen. I was talking to him. We were talking mess on uh, on social media, chatting back and forth, and I said something about his head being the size of a buffalo head or so, something like that. <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember what I said, but his retort was, um, "Well, you can't say anything because you haven't squatted 800 pounds yet." And I'm like, "Okay." Well, there's the fire. I'm just going to have to squat 800 pounds so I can talk. Yeah, you mess. don't have a choice. Right. 
No, but so but so so above that. Actually, that's the first time I started thinking. That he literally motivated me to set a new goal to squat yeah. eight hundred pounds. But since then, I've squatted you know three fifty in training, three forty two and a half in a meet. Uh, it wasn't sanctioned for a world or for a Norwegian record, but it was. Uh, at that point, uh, or it still is actually the highest amount of weight squatted in Norway, raw. No I'm kidding. Three forty-two and a half, but it's three thirty-five and a half. That's the record. So that's my goal. Yeah. Three sixty-five. I'm gonna do that's it. That's awesome, man. I time, know. I time, know you are. Time frame. <sighs> See, because my, my do you set those type of constraints on yourself when it comes to stuff like this? Constraints. What do you mean? The do you set those type of like time constraints on yourself when they when you're going when you're going after something so great? Um, you know, I, I have a time frame. See, my, my, my training is very well thought out. It's not really right. nilly. I don't go into the gym ever and not know exactly what I'm going to lift. Right. I have it. It's, it's all written out in whether it's eight week blocks, 10 week blocks, 14 week blocks or whatever. So the way things are now, my shoulder is so bad. And, and now with the coronavirus, you know, my gyms are closed. So I'm just right. training body weight exercises here at home. But my shoulder is so bad, I just can't train with the intensity that I need in order mm -hmm. to raise my, my squat. Mm -hmm. I would like to do it by the end of next year. I would, like to, I would like to break that Norwegian record and squat 365 at the regionals uh, for my region in Norway by the end of 2021. That's so you awesome. That's a long-term goal. I'm not, I'm not yeah. looking to do this tomorrow. I'm not looking to do this in a month no, or two. Of I'm, course, of course. Of I'm course. talking over a year out. And I and have you the have patience. To away those. I have the patience to do it. I will make right. it happen. Yeah. And I think a lot of things that people don't understand about goal setting is there's so many 50 meter targets in that one year that you have to chip away at. Absolutely. To keep yourself accountable. Absolutely. You know, without mapping out an entire training process from now until I try to go for that, uh, for that new record. Uh, I would say that I'll probably have a series of like maybe the eight months before that meet, I'll have a series of 10 week training blocks mm -hmm. that will go on waves. You know, the first training block will go up to maybe, you know, 75% uh, of what I want that max to be. And then I'll go down, I'll work up again to the next block that'll be at maybe 80% and so on and so on. Just a right. series of blocks and just working slowly up. I need yep. to know that I can do the work. Mm -hmm. uh, and at the end of my training blocks is never, I'm never trying to do a single. Probably sure. that training single at 350 is the last time I ever did a training single. I'm looking to do triples at the end of each right. training block. Because right. if I can do a certain amount of weight for a triple, I know I can do you it know easily it for once. an opener. Right. And then I know I can add maybe 5% to that and easily sure. do a second lift. The only right. uncertain lift in a meet should be the third lift. The third one. That's right. the one where you don't really know, but you know what you're going to try for. But right. the first two lifts should be in the box. Right. Absolutely. You can't get That's greedy. That's awesome, man. Can't get greedy. No. Ed, Ed told me that. Don't get greedy. And I think that, again, we, we talk training versus exercising. I don't think the average gym goer understands that. Like, when someone says, I want to add 50 pounds to my bench, I'm like, man, do you know what kind of feet that is? Exactly. Unless you're in that, that novice, yeah. like, uh, that novice area, 50 pounds is, is the world yeah. on top of you. Exactly. You know, I want to put 15 kilos on my squat. What is that? Uh, 15 kilos, roughly 30 pounds on my squat. Right. And I'm going to take over a year to get that yeah. done. Yeah. So it's, it's the long game. It's longevity. Mm-hmm. Uh -huh.
And what's, yeah, what's going to be right now? Exactly. And what's going to be cool is if I do that by the end of uh, 2021, I'll be 52 years old. That's awesome. There's That's no such thing. thing. No such thing as too old to be strong. No such right. thing. Right. <laughs> right or, and and so that's another driver for me man you you hear a lot of i can't tell you how many times i've walked into restaurants or or or, or local bars and and i try to keep my circle around me very very small and very very wise so i just okay. end up hanging out with older people right okay. and all of them will tell me every once in a while right, you know when you hit this age you know you're not gonna be able to do that no more and i'm like you're wrong I don't want to hear that. The worst thing, the worst thing anybody can tell me, especially these last few years with this series of shoulder surgeries, is be careful. No, I'm not going to be. I'm going to be smart. That's not my style. I'm, I'm going to be smart. I'm going to be. I'm going to be. Uh, what's the word in English? I'm going to be. Um, I'm going to have a routine that I'm going to hold myself to, and I'm going to be smart right. about it. But I will not be careful. I no. call it controlled recklessness. That's it. Control chaos yeah, is you my, know, you know, my good, saying. Good God, this guy wants to squat 365 as a 52-year-old. That's crazy, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to plan it out. I'm going to be very right. methodical with that. But, right. But careful. Right. I ain't got time to be careful. Nah. No. <laughs> no. That's boring. But let me tell you something about not, you know, oh, it's a good thing to keep your circle small, and it's always a good thing to look up uh, to people that are older than you. Most of my friends actually are older than me, so I, I, right. I, I feel you on that. But sometimes... You can look at that guy who's, you know, 10, 15 years younger than you. I look at you. You motivate the heck out of me. And you're 15, <laughs> 15 16 years younger than me. Yeah, and I, yeah. I, see the work, I see the work that you do and what it does for people. And then when I think that you're not doing it for just the people in the streets, you're doing it for the United States Army. Right. I, there's something beautiful in that, man. For me, it's, it's that I'm doing this type of work because it's not popular. But it will give it will give guys longevity. There's too many guys in my age in the army that are like crippled. That is such not an because Im of combat wounds, because of overuse and silly planning and, yep. and and uneducated decisions about PT. Like, hey, I'm gonna lay it out. That is such an important job that you're doing. I hope the right people see the importance of what you're doing. I hope they do. Yeah, I do too, man. Because it, it makes all the sense in the world. You know, you know, you talk about recovery. Uh, being in the Ranger Regiment, everything was run, 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 right? Yeah. You got to run. You got to be thin. Yeah. Well, you're, you're, I've always been a good runner. Uh -huh. uh, I would say that's something my parents gave to me. They're both track athletes. Okay. I can go run back to back five miles at, at 32 to 35 minutes and not really like hurt myself. But what about the guy that can't run at all? Right. What about the guy that like sucks at running? And we haven't, we were too uh, ignorant at the time to be like, hey, the guy that can't run, maybe running more isn't what he needs. Maybe it's technique fix. There you go. Right. So how many guys did we ruin in the last, you know, ten or twelve years? Not only technique, but also, know. but there's also lessons in recovery. We talked about that. Sure. Right? The recovery is. Sure. I don't know how focused. I'm just trying to think back to all those years ago when I was in the Marines. There was no talk about recovery. Everything so, was about running your ass to the ground yeah, until you're half yeah, dead. There's yeah. no recovery time. And that is something that we really harp on in the TAPC. And that was, you know, Major Bigland's big driver. I'd, I'd never forget. He'd been in meetings, you know, talking about these basic trainees having yeah. off days or active recovery days. Like, no, what, what do you mean active recovery? They're yep. 19. They don't need to recover. Like, yes, they do. Man, that's just the wrong way to think. I, I, I hope the right people are listening to you guys. 
Yeah, yeah. Major Bigum. I, I need to get Donnie on here. I need to get him on you this should. podcast just you to should. hear him talk. I love his voice, man. He's got that. He's <laughs> It'll got definitely that. be a shock for your your, uh, your listeners. <laughs> he's just, his voice is just so in your, but don't be afraid of him, people. He's a nice, he's a sweetheart of a man. He's, yeah, he's right? just a good guy. Yeah. <laughs> Major Don Bigum. Uh, yeah. Man. So, um, what does a work day look like for you? What time do you start? What time are you finished? Is that, is, or does that fluctuate? Oh, so it fluctuates depending on customers, right? But before the Corona thing happened, um, we were in the doors at five. Our first crew would show up at five thirty or six. And it was about 160 students that we were doing strength training, conditioning, and some kind of tactical circuit with. Now, when you say crew, that, let, me just, a, let me just interrupt sorry. you. When you say crew, what kind of a grouping is this? Is this like a, uh, is this, is this so a this combat, combat last, platoon or is this a... Uh, so that is, that is the goal, to okay. have a combat platoon come in okay. and throughout the day work a whole battalion. But right now we're working with uh, the OCSs and your infantry okay. basic leader courses and stuff like that. Okay. And the reason why we, we've kind of reached out to them right now uh, is because they will affect the entire army when they Those leave are the leaders, yeah. board, They're going everywhere, yeah. right? And we've also got the uh, senior leaders course as well for the enlisted. They're going to infect the affect the entire army. So if we Smart. teach them the Smart. proper principles, uh, not only does this make them better leaders and trainers, it's going to help them on this ACFT because it's not going to be completely foreign and slapped in the face when this thing does okay. finally get approved and and you know set in stone. Smart, very smart. So, so your day is, is not a nine to five thing. It's going to depend on the size yeah, of the all. group that comes in. It's going to depend on, yeah. Yep. And you know, everybody that sees the task, they're like, oh, this is the best job ever. I bet this is awesome. I was like, yeah, it's, it's cool until you think about all the admin work that has It's to a lot of work, I would you, imagine. You've got to document what you do. About, you have to right, document the right. results, yeah. Right. That's document paperwork. Results, uh, you know, move stuff around in the gym and... and Unfortunately, we're a little understaffed, just like everything else in the army. But the whole army's understaffed, um, and we're borrowing people and training them up, and having them work the tapsy. Then they go back to their unit, so they're enable an enabler for the unit. But we're doing a lot of this with minimal manpower, so you're getting okay. circuits and and stuff ready for the next 160 to come in. Like, ooh, we're busting our butt from the I time see. we jump in there to the time we jump out, and then trying to get our own training done. So it's not all fun and games. This is a real oh, no. serious job. So, I, 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 th- I wanted to take a picture. I wanted to take a picture yesterday. We literally pulled every weight out of the rack, every bar out of the rack, every band off the rack. Uh, we've got 40 racks in that, that building. It's oh, wow. stuff everywhere. Wow. And we went and dusted and wiped down every piece of equipment in there. And I'm like, this is what they don't see. <laughs> Man, well, it was just today that I discovered you guys' Instagram page. I didn't know that was there, and I saw there were quite yeah. a few, quite a few training videos that were put up right, there. Right, right, okay. right. And so, and it's it's going to become more of a hot topic because of the corona uh, coronavirus. Yeah. yeah. Um, a few weeks back, the star major of the post came in and was like, "Hey guys, uh, you know, this corona thing is going to get worse before it gets better. I need something from y'all, like maybe some instructional video." And he and he left. Right. So it was on right. us to come up with something. So we're going to do functional movement patterns, uh, the hows and the whys, and how you can train them at home if you don't have gym equipment. Um, and then we're going to do it, some kind of physical challenge because our, our uh, headquarters, uh, our brigade headquarters, our major camp was like, hey, I need you guys to do a challenge, put it on, on Instagram, put it on YouTube, wherever, let's keep these soldiers active. So you're going to see a lot more 
and this might be our way ahead because we really don't know how how long you know this quarantine stuff is going to last right right how do they find you on uh, on instagram what is you guys tag on instagram it's uh mcoe and then tap c okay so t-a-p-c on instagram t-a-p and the letter c yes sir okay. got it got it um, now and we have the link to the YouTube page on there as well. Uh, so if you don't have a IG account um, or you don't spend a lot of time on Instagram, you it's can on get YouTube. It off, uh, YouTube is on okay. there. We thought about opening up a Facebook page. It was a conversation me and the boys were having today. Um, so that might be in the works too. And if it doesn't happen, do it. I'll it's just another sure. platform. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Why not? So so what's free time look like for you? Do you? For me? Yeah. You, you, you see it's not you all. See like, it. You see it. <laughs> you get Free caught for me. Get caught up by black guys in Norway to do podcast episodes. <laughs> no, the training. Uh, for me, man, uh, it's, it's my free time. Honestly, in the last couple of years, has been nothing but like trying to educate myself on the world of of strength and conditioning. Okay. Uh, uh, Just know, doing the research into, and looking. Yeah, because yeah, it changes overnight. If you sleep too long, you've missed something. That's true. That's true. And I've I've immersed myself in this to to try to gain more relevance, right? Not yeah. only that, like I want to make my training better, so Sure, sure. So why not? Well, um, leading by example. That's it. That's it. I can't get anybody to buy in if I don't look the part. That's and true. And I don't speak the language. I don't, uh, I don't know how things are there, but man, it is not uncommon to see a personal trainer at a gym over here, at a commercial gym over here, and you just wonder <laughs> Do, do, do they have a living eating donuts or are they making a living being a personal trainer? So it's not, Good it's Lord. not, it's talk not, about not looking it's not, apart. Uh, it's not uncommon. You see that a lot here, uh, yeah. but it's because they've made the credentials, the credentialing so easy. Right. And I don't, I don't know how I feel about the credentialing. If you don't have any experience, like, yes, you can tell me all the things that are in the book, but how uh, do you apply it? Right. I, you know, <sighs> experience is the best teacher. Well, you know, people should be allowed to make a living any way they can, but I see some personal trainers who go, um, there's this thing where they take a trip to, um, to Bali mm -hmm. for like 30 days and they come back with a personal trainer certificate and it's like, what? You know, well, how did you do that? How did you do that? Well, they paid for it and that's basically yeah, all they right. did. I can't right. see that they learned what needed to, you know, I, I am a 50, almost 51 year old man. I've been lifting weights. I started, you know, in connection with American football and I have to say American football because over here they call soccer football. Yeah. <laughs> so these poor people. Uh, yeah, so, I've been, wrong with them. so I've been lifting weights for what? 40 years right and it's just recently maybe a couple three years ago that i first started taking in one-to-one -one clients to teach them how to train now if it took me that long to feel confident enough to start helping people train how can this what 21 think how can this 21 year old pay whatever they pay and then be gone on a tropical island for for 30 days and come so back a, with a certificate i have a friend that I, i've been helping with training and she was telling me what she was paying this guy in the UK to they call them PTs over there. Yeah. She's paying $300 a week to see this guy and oh. and oh. and you know she's she's talking about the squat and I was like, "Well, you know, has he addressed your your the mechanics of your foot when you're doing your squat?" 
Yeah. What do you, what joint moves first? Are you moving your hips first and then letting the knees bend? She's like, what are you talking about? I was see, like, see, there you fire go. him now. There fire you him go. Now. Yeah. There are fire so many so-called trainers out there that don't have a clue about those kind of things. Right. Man. And those are literally the things that make you fall apart when you're doing a squat. Yeah. But that squat, I tell you, that is, it's hard to deconstruct a squat and teach someone how to do it. As good as well, I am at it, as good as I am at it, it is so hard to teach that to others. So I, I don't know if I found a dumbed down way to do it, or I just had so many very like in tune people. But it hasn't been hard for me. For me, it's okay. the deadlift. Really? Oh, I hate it. Huh? Well, we if need I to pump. Teach, if I could not teach the deadlift and the kettlebell swing <laughs> for the rest of my life, I would not do it. Wow. No, so I don't and, know. And the, the kettlebell swing is easy for me to do. The deadlift is easy for me to do. But for some reason, I can't get, I, I say I can't, I don't get the verbiage down to these people yeah. and into their ear and into their brain fast enough like I can with the squat. The squat is really easy for me. Man, I don't know I why. Just, I just cannot, for me, I don't know. Well, you know, everybody has their strengths. Everybody has their weaknesses. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So my, 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 my strength is squatting, but my weakness is teaching others how to squat. So that is that is common, right? I can shoot. Yeah. I can shoot with the best of them. Uh-huh. As a drill sergeant, that was my weak point. Wow. Okay. Yeah. It was huh. hard for me to teach it. Now, how many years were you a drill sergeant? Uh, two years and six months on the dot. Yes. Enjoyed it? On the dot. You enjoyed <sighs> it? Oh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> it was... It was... It... Drill Sergeant did a couple things to me. It made me not really like the NCO core. It also didn't make me like what our society was producing. It made me fearful of what our society is going to become. But all in the same right, it was the most gratifying thing I've ever done in my life. And as much as I hated the hours and, and hated some of these kids and hated some of my peers, uh -huh. if they asked me to do it again right now, I'd go pull my hat out of my, my, my attic and go do this shit again. Wow, man. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. That is, you, the, that is the coach in you. You want to be in a position where you can try to pull others up and help man, them to enrich them. That's what that is. Don't, people don't realize... And I could tell you the drill sergeant hours. I'm like, man, that's exhausting. When you put yourself into these these kids, yeah, they it's exhausting on a different level. Sure, because absolutely. When you, when you give a damn about people, yeah, like it's it's is that much more taxing. But yeah. I will tell you this: if a soldier knows you give a fuck about him, excuse my language, they will yeah. walk through hell in gasoline underwear amen that is true and they listen they will they will do something wrong and i don't the i wasn't the fire and brimstone drill sergeant unless i had to be and if okay. i was that drill sergeant like everybody in the company knew was like oh it's done at off like drills were going home early uh other platoons privates were running away and going upstairs and hiding like when i came when i took my hat off and they saw my hairline on fire like it was go time but I had I I built such a respect relationship with these kids that these guys, if they knew I was disappointed, it hurt the world them. was over for them. It hurt oh them. man, yeah, yeah. And it, and it, I mean it, it hurt me too because like I give you all my time. There was other yeah. drill sergeants that were home with their families by three o'clock in the afternoon, and we're still hanging out till you know 
a little later trying to get uh, get guys squared away. Um, but yeah, that job, best best job I ever had, hands down. Hands I down. can imagine. Now I. Um Unfortunately, I was in love, not with my wife, but with another woman, and that caused me yeah. to not re-enlist that hurts. In, in, in the Marines. Um, but I was in a position where I could have done pretty much anything I wanted to, yeah. uh, whether it was Marine embassy duty or uh, recruiting oh, wow. or recruiting yeah. or, or drill instructor. And had I stayed in, I think I would have been a drill instructor. So for you guys, that is such a prestigious job. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Yep. So I didn't know this for a lot of years until I talked to some Marine drill sergeants. But, uh, you know, the first sergeants and commanders of the drill sergeant or of the companies, uh -huh. like they have to be the top rated guys. Yeah. To be in those positions, the army's not the same. Oh, really? So your drill uh, sergeants are, are are quote unquote the top ten percent. Yes. But the command team that is in charge of them. Is not required to be that, which is totally in the army. Ass backwards to me, yeah. It's ass backwards to me because if you want, if this is the first sight of a soldier uh, to these civilians that are coming to be soldiers, it needs to be the most pristine. Top Absolutely. Again, back to the whole thing about leading, leading by example. You That's can't it. have you can't have a shitbag first sergeant mm -mm. and then expect mm -mm. everyone under him to be uh, you know mm -mm. good to go. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. It, there was a there was what? there was some there was some leadership at drills included that were a little overweight that couldn't do certain tasks and we covered for not not no. me specifically but but other drills would cover for them, uh, but privates I'll tell you this these new these new these new soldiers are not stupid. No, they see if you if if you got a chump as a first sergeant a chump you know as that as that uh, the the NCO up there and they they're gonna see that absolutely. No, yeah. You know, that, that, oh, that yeah. kind of surprises me because I, I, I'm just going back to, to my years as a Marine. And again, that's a long time ago. I can't picture a single unsat NCO at Listen, Paris Island. Those guys were tough as nails. Not one of them was a slob. Not one. The world has changed. Wow, man. You, you what is that? What's, like, what's going on, the, man? In, even in the NCO Corps, uh, you know, you... What's they're the reason for that? I don't know. They're promoting guys fast. Uh, retention's really, really bad. Um, yeah, because that's what I was thinking. Is it a retention issue? You know, we, could, we've been yeah. at war. We've been at war for almost, what, two, two decades almost. And, and that, yeah. that, I would imagine, you know, I don't know. I, I'm totally removed from that environment. But I would imagine that recruiting is an issue these days. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, so maybe they're just promoting the shitbags and, and hoping they, for the and best. <laughs> hopefully he, he crawls out of that bag and becomes wow. a gym. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's wow. rough. And, uh, the, and, again, you see these kids come in, and, man, I'm telling you, like, they can't wash their own clothes. They don't know how to brush their teeth. And I'm like, what? So they don't even hell? have their home training. And, and you know what? As a drill, I would yell and scream at them about this stuff, like, why can't you wash your clothes? Like, what the is wrong with uh, you? I showed you how to use the wash machine. Uh -huh. And then you meet their parents and you're like, and you I'm know. sorry. I'm well, sorry. Well, doing the social work and being a teacher and a project leader. Oh, here, I, I saw imagine. that as well. And sometimes, and I shouldn't say too much because this is a small town here and who knows who's listening, right. but sometimes I would meet these parents and I'd be like, oh, now I get it. <laughs> I get it. I get, I get it. it. Yeah. 
So that would be a hard, hard job for me because I don't care who the kid is, what his color is, what his ethnicity is, or what he believes in. Like, if I see a child that needs help, I'm helping. Well, you'd be so in this be really hard. It would be really hard for me to do that job yeah. because I care about children. No, but I think it would be easy for you to do that job. Well, I don't how, do I, how do I put it? it? You know, it puts a weight on your heart. You know, that, it, I, I've done my sure. share of social yeah, work, like I would, said, and teaching and whatnot. And sometimes, problem. yeah, okay, I, I understand. I understand. Like you, I've got some some cop buddies from uh, from back home in Houston mm. that have done like uh, they've gone to scenes and and yeah. and responded to stuff. Yeah, and they've told me about it, and I'm like, you're a better man than I am. Because one of y'all would have had to arrest me. It um, demands a certain level of self-control because, as, yeah, as a police officer, you're going to see some stuff that is going to challenge your character. It's going to challenge yeah, your ability to control your emotions. Absolutely. And I, Absolutely. I know exactly who I am, yeah. and I'm not afraid to admit it. Uh-huh. So that's where the line draws for me. Like, Yeah. Seeing kids... Uh, how do you hurt something that's so helpless? Now, I got to tell you, yeah, as a, I was an officer for seven years in the Chicago suburbs, and yeah, you see, you see a lot of kids suffering because of the, yeah, because of the bullshit that their parents uh, sure. put off on their kids, and that's hard right. to take. You know, there's a law, there's a there's a book with laws in it that says you have to react a certain way, and that's hard to follow sometimes when Man, you see those kids suffering. I got my own book if it comes to stuff like that. I'm sorry, <laughs> it is what it is. Uh, I I know my weaknesses, yeah. so you know that's just something. As much as I like, I would rather be out teaching kids how to hunt squirrels and like uh-huh. cook them, you know, and teach them how to fish. I don't want to do. Now you're you're, you're, you're a suffer. southern man, aren't you? You're from Texas. Yeah, aren't I'm you? from Texas. Yeah. Yes. Okay, so you kind of grew up in the rural. So uh, I had I grew up in the burbs, but all of my friends uh, had land, so I was always doing something. And now, uh, where we're at now, my dad's got uh, some land. He's got cattle out there. We're oh, always really? shooting. Like, so yeah, I've I've got a I've got a I had a good upbringing. I will not lie, man. There's there's some yeah. rough spots, but who doesn't have rough spots? That's what yeah. builds who you are. No, I had some issues within my family, but in general, I had a very good... Uh, I'll, I'll put it to you this way. My mother um, and her sister and um, a couple other aunts and my grandmother, they were... Uh, oh, here's, here's the lovely Snoopy trying to walk past and go to bed. She has to walk past the studio. Now she's shot. Yeah. Go ahead. Just walk past. Go ahead. Hey, Snoopy. Hi. Uh, <laughs> all that hair. She's not going to look at you. Well, there she goes into the other room. That's Snoopy. <laughs> um, what was I saying? Talking no, I had your- a yeah. No, I, but uh, living, uh, growing up in a rural environment, man, I you can't beat that. That's uh, no, no. I I think a kid learning learning the land, yeah, and be able to roam free without all the BS of yeah. the city or the suburbs. Yep. Man, there's there's nothing more more awesome than that oh man we would be gone uh the sun would come up and we would disappear and be gone yeah. until it wasn't even the street light thing because there weren't no street lights there were no street lights yeah we would just come yeah. home you know a little bit after dark and, and be totally safe there's nothing to worry about we're just out yeah. in the country out in yep. the, yeah yeah i think uh so we can relate this back to the drill star stuff I, these kids were so timid and almost risk adverse it's because Society has made parents almost have to be that way. 
That's true. That's you know, true. I, it's it's. There's a development in the society. Well, I don't know. I, I, I'll contend with that. I don't think that the parents have to be so protective. Yes, no, you're there right. Are, yes, there you're are right. dangers out there, but I wish parents could. I don't you, you have to work, and it's, an, it's a hard process, but you have to work at putting knowledge into your child's mm-hmm. mind, knowledge of what is out there that they can meet when it comes to challenges and danger. Sure. And, you know, there's a lot of sure. freaks out there who are going to try and do things to kids. But right. half of the battle is making that child aware of what's going on. Of course, a two, three-year-old can't help themselves. They don't right. know what's going to happen. But a kid right. gets to a certain age, they've got to have a certain amount of worldliness about them. Yep. And that should come yep. from the parents. So that's something I will say. Uh, my father raised uh, me and my sister, for the most part, for for the for the years for me that were the most important. I think, uh-huh. um, and he, even when my parents were together before they divorced, he never hid anything from me as far as okay. what the world was, and yeah. and what what my my skin complexion would bring me. Uh-huh. Uh, so, when I talk to other individuals my age. I feel like I'm a little more seasoned than them just because my dad didn't hide it from, right. from me. Right. Um, you know, and I, I think that's super important. You can't be overbearing about telling your kid what's out there, but don't hide it. Exactly. You've got to find that middle ground. You've got to prepare yeah. them for what they're about to see. I believe, yeah. you know, just like Marine Corps boot camp, uh, in essence, is uh, actually, I shouldn't say this because I don't know what it's like now, but in my day, it was, in essence, a preparation for if you were to be captured. Yeah. Okay, so it's preparing you for the worst scenario, not to scare you. It was very realistic, as realistic as they can make it. I believe in doing that same process with my children. I am preparing them for the realities of life. Um, Yep. You know, our daughter is 14, our son is 12, and they've been hearing certain things that I've been talking about since they could barely talk. I'm sure with the background or or with the thought being that I'm preparing them for the realities of life. I think one big problem is that parents are afraid to prepare their children for the realities of life. You can't be be the worst thing is it the worst thing is like you're doing them a disservice An unadaptable adult. Yep. The worst thing. Well, I think everybody should just go to boot camp. or hey, we had that (laughs) two year social, uh, uh, civil service. Let's go. Let's do it. Let's bring it back. <laughs> hey, man. Man. The countries that do it, they, they are really patriotic, and they don't mess around about uh, stuff going on in their country. So, I, you know, know. I, I just know that my time in boot camp, my time in the Marines in general, but especially in boot camp, that was my eye-opener. That's when I realized who I was, what I was able to do, what I wasn't able to do. And really? my thought is... Why can't everyone experience that? Why shouldn't it be mandatory that people either join the one of the military branches or, as you say, right. do some sort of civil service and learn a little bit about giving back, learn about sure. challenging themselves? I think we're right. missing something. Right. We're missing something there. Yeah. So I, I agree, but almost disagree, because I yeah. think that if we let everybody go to boot camp, right, it takes away from the the... the special part about volunteering doggone and i felt smart now you just tore my argument down no, <laughs> no but i, I hear you I, no but i hear you. you you do have a good point there you do have a good point um there is something to be said 
about the eliteness of mm -hmm. of the military. Yeah, you're right. We can't let every Tom, Dick, and Harry come in. I guess. <laughs> no, they got to go be okay. Boy Scouts or I, something. I take, I take it back. There's a reason why you were a drill sergeant. You got that wisdom right there. <laughs> I take it back. No, I just, I, there's something special about you saying, I went to Marine Corps boot camp. Oh, I am so I'm so proud of it. You know, a lot of and people a lot of people here in Norway kind of like roll their eyes like, oh, you know, but but they don't get it, and that's fine. They don't have to. They get don't. It. I got it. You know. You don't get it. <laughs> that you is don't that, get it. that is the foundation of my character. You know, I shouldn't I shouldn't say it's the foundation, but the foundation of my character is is how I was raised. My mother, my aunts, and my grandmother. They just uh, added to the to but, the. But, yeah, it was a, it was the eye opener. Like I said, it's where I found out who I really was, what I was able to do, not able to do. It's yeah. it set me on the path of being goal oriented. So um, sounds like you had good drill instructors. Oh gosh, some of the best, some of the best. And the, you know, it's funny. Those are people you'll never forget. Oh, I'll never forget them. I, I I can play it back like a film in my head, on a day by day basis. What we went through and what they taught us. <laughs> right. And, right. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome, man. That is awesome. Did you have any more questions that you guys wanted to ask me before we no, line things up? You here? know, this was this was less of a a podcast and more of like two people like rowing out and talking. But you know, but that is the format for my podcast. I tell every That's they, awesome, they, Yeah, they ask me what's your format? I tell them there is no format. I invite people right. on that I like. Mm -hmm. uh, or if I don't know them that well, I at least think they're interesting and I think that they have something to add to society. So that's yeah. why I asked you. Like I said, I've been an admirer since since we first started chatting back in 2016. Well, I appreciate that, man. Absolutely, that's man. And, and all respect for everything you do and uh, uh, you fit the format. Likewise. Like I said, people, people that I like, people that I think are interesting. Yeah. And it's... Uh, I don't know. I think Good I'm talk, on. Man. I think I'm on to something here. <laughs> I, I do too. I do too. <laughs> but I just want to thank you. Um, uh, tell us. Uh, tell us how they find you or, or find uh, the uh, Tactical Athlete Performance Center uh, on Instagram. So on on Instagram is MCOE. MCOE. And then yep, and Tapsy T A P C. T A P C. And it'll pop up. It'll be a, a black circle with two cross rifles in it, and it'll say uh, gotcha. MCOE. And, and I, sh I should know that. I tagged you guys on a couple of posts. I saw that. I showed saw the that, boys, yeah. and they were like, "Yo, that's cool." Yeah. Well, you know, you give those guys a shout out for me. Uh, I love what you guys are doing. Uh, I feel like I'm part of a new brotherhood. I, you know, it, you absolutely are. One of these days, I'm going to get back. Now, my people are up in Ohio, <clears throat> but it's not okay. that far. It's not that far to get no. to Georgia. If if I were to show up there, would I have a training spot? You got a place there? to stay. You Beautiful. have a place to stay, and you have a training spot. Let's go. Beautiful, man. And if you ever get out to Norway, I can't see why you would, but if you can't. But why not? I shouldn't say that. You know, there's 5 million people in Norway. That's 5 million people that are pissed off at me as much mess as I talk about Norway. <laughs> Actually, I love it here. I just enjoy making fun of them. But if you ever get of out course. this way, you've got a place here, Rick. Absolutely. Heck yeah, man. Absolutely. I appreciate that, brother. I want to do this again. So this isn't the last time we're going to be on this episode, on an episode of my I'm, podcast. I'm, I'm game. This is... Uh we're definitely gonna have a lot to talk about. It's gonna it's gonna be fun to see how the world unwinds as this COVID thing keeps creeping around. I, let me ask you real quick before we end this: How have you been affected personally? I know, I know there's been some changes at at at, uh, at, jo at your job. Yeah. But you personally, how so are you good? Is your family I'm, healthy? Yeah, everybody's good. I'm pretty sure I had this already. Yeah. Uh, so December rolls around. I come home from the tap seat, man, I don't feel good. I'm running a crazy fever. I'm coughing all over the place. 
but it wasn't like your typical cold symptoms. Right. And it went on for like six days. Uh-huh. There was nights of, of 100 degree plus fevers, uh, the cold sweats, but the cough was just so intense. Yeah, uh, you know, you like, probably had it. It jacked up, it jacked up my throat. Uh, and I was, you know, coughing up blood and stuff like that. Wow. And it took me, it probably took me a month and a half, if not a little longer, to get my lungs back. Okay. It felt like I had stuff in there all the time. You, pro- you probably uh, had it, yeah. You probably had it. Um, as far as being affected by it, I, you know, the, the powers that be said we need to quarantine and stop life. But I'm, I'm so worried about, like, what we're doing to the economy. Yes, it, I feel like there's some positives in this quarantine. You're seeing more people out and about. There's families yeah. doing stuff yeah. in neighborhoods. That's super cool. Uh, but the economy is my big worry. I'm not letting it really stop what I'm doing. Granted, we had food saved up, planted a garden, uh-huh. um, and all that cool stuff. Bought a little more guns, just in case. Uh-huh. But you know, it hasn't stopped my daily grind. Like I'm gonna go to the store if I need <laughs> I, something. From I my just house. have to laugh. Just is what it is. I just have to laugh. That's a Texan in you talking about the guns. <laughs> hey, listen, uh, I'd rather I'd rather have and not need them, man. No, I hear you. I, I likewise. I think there's a totally different set of laws here in Norway, but I am of, of the mindset that there's nothing wrong with a responsible person being armed. I miss I miss it personally. I'm sure. <laughs> so, no, it's uh, we haven't really noticed anything from it. The kids have a great school system, so they're getting all of their schooling online. Okay. So nothing has really happened as far as their education. They kind of get cabin fever, but we send yeah, them yeah, out. We send them out up on the mountainside, up in the woods for a walk every day, so they get their their physical activity. Yeah, well, um, that's good. My wife is a psychiatric nurse, so she's doing her thing, and I'm sitting here making music and doing podcasts, so we're just kind of... That's cool, we're, Yeah, we're not really feeling anything, but but God bless all those people that are struggling. I know there's some yeah, people struggling, yeah, so... Yeah, it's gonna It's going to get ugly before it gets better, you know? So. The American companies aren't, aren't, you know, furloughing mortgages and stuff like that. Like, the $1,200 that people got, like, great, yeah. but what does that cover? Yeah, yeah. Well, listen, Rick Dunnett, Sergeant First Class. He's over there in uh, the United States at Fort Benning. He is uh, the NCOIC, that is a non-commissioned officer in charge, for those of you who are of a non-military persuasion, at the Tactical Athlete Performance Center. Uh, Sergeant Rick, I love you, yeah. man. This is this has love been too, a lot bro. of fun. This is good. This yeah. is a lot of fun. Thank you so much for being on this episode. I'll well, talk to you in just a few me, minutes. Yeah. Yep. Okay. See you, brother. Bye. All right, everybody. Uh, that is the end of this episode. Um, what a fantastic guy! I think it's a very it's very interesting. This is a military man um, doing something that you may not think is a traditional military. Uh, task uh, he's working at getting those army dogs in shape in a different kind of shape it's not like the old days where they were just you know humping a humping that's a marine term that sounds a little funny carrying a backpack and you know running around in the mud and stuff there's more to it it's a more thinking man's army these days so it was a very interesting episode uh, very interesting to talk to uh, Sergeant Rick Dinette. Sergeant First Class Rick Dinette. So, thank you all for being uh, with me on this episode of the Coming Home Podcast with John Allen. Hi, everybody. I'm coming home. I'm coming home. Yes, I am. Yeah.
Yes, I'm coming home. I'm coming home. Yes, I am, my Lord. Oh, my Lord. Lord, I'm coming home.